Good morning, Lakeview Church. This is a good, good day. We're going to celebrate what the Lord has done in our lives. We've got people who are going to walk into the waters of baptism here in just a little bit, and we're going to celebrate with them, uh, and we're excited about that. But we got other stuff to celebrate, too. Remember last week we had all these boxes up here, uh, and uh, Jeanette gave me an update, Jeanette Spratt, who really is the Operation Christmas Child cheerleader, I think is maybe a fair way to say it. Um, she gave me a report. We had 398 boxes. Yeah, that's worth celebrating. So excited to see those go all over the place and uh, all, literally all around the world and be a tool that are used really just to share the gospel uh, with, with children and teens all over the world, and we're excited about that and glad we could participate in it. If you are joining us online, I want to just take a moment to say a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here, and we just want to let you know that we're going to be celebrating communion in just a few moments. And so if you have an opportunity, we would love for you to look in your home, maybe find some crackers or bread and some juice. If you've got some grape juice or cranberry juice or any other kind of juice will do, but we just want to encourage you to gather those elements so that you joining us online can participate in communion with us. And so we just want to welcome you, let you know we're glad that you're here, and we want you to join with us as we celebrate that act today. Now, for those of you here in the room, I just want to remind you of what we have been saying now for several weeks, that Lakeview Church is an everyday church for everyday people where every single day we follow Jesus, we live generously, and we make a difference. We believe that God has called each person to live that kind of life, a life oriented around the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because he is the one who provides the ability for us to be God's children. It's through his death and his resurrection that we can actually find ourselves in a place where we are welcomed by God, saved by God, forgiven by God, and actually a part of God's family. And as we orient our lives around Jesus Christ and begin to follow him, what we believe is that God opens up our lives so that what we have, what God has given to us, we don't hoard for ourselves, but we give it generously. Our time, our, our gifts, our abilities, our strengths, our skills, our resources, we, we share those things willingly with others and we live a generous life. And as God uses us in that way, we begin to make a difference. We begin to make a difference inside of the church. We begin to make a difference in the community. We begin to make a difference in this world that God so deeply loves. And at Lakeview Church, that's what we're committed to. We are committed to being people who follow Jesus, live generously, and make a difference. All fall long, we've, we've been talking about what God has done for us. We spent time in the early chapters of the book of Romans in September and in October, and we talked about the idea that we are born with, with a plan that God has for our life, but we find ourselves living off the mark from that plan. And we, we go down this path away from God's plan for our life, and, and we're, we're walking down that path because that's just how we are made as human beings. We, we're born into this world, and, and we don't know God's plan for our life, and we live off target from that plan. And as we go down that path, there are moments in our lives where God is reminding us of what his true plan and purpose is for our lives. He's inviting us back to the path that he's laid out for us. 
And when we accept God's invitation for him to take us up from this path that we've been on that goes away from God's purpose for our lives, and he puts us on a brand new path in that moment, the scriptures say it's like being born again. It's a rebirth. It's a regeneration. We get a brand new start, a whole new beginning. And God actually takes us away from what we were as sinful people, and he makes us brand new. He makes us his children. We are born again. Not only are we born again, but we're given a new direction in life. We're, we're put on the path that God has for us, and, and we set our eyes on Jesus, and we begin to follow him, and God leads us down the path and plan that he has for our lives. And he uses us as his people in the world from that place. And this morning, before we celebrate communion, I want to just remind us of what God has done for us. Because I think that's what Romans chapter 12 is doing for us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we read these words. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. What Paul is doing, the guy who wrote this letter to the Christians in Rome, he has spent the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans telling them who they were before they met Jesus. And we talked about that this fall. We talked about the fact that as people who are living on a path that's not the one God has marked out for us, we are sinful people. And as a result of that, we are literally objects of God's wrath. God looks at us and says, that's not what I created you for. You're not living up to the purpose and plan and intention that I have for your life. And it makes God angry. And rightfully so. He is the creator of each and every one of us. He designed us just the way we are. And he has a perfect plan for our lives. And we just veer away from that path and that plan. But here's the amazing thing about God. And this is what we learned this fall as we studied the book of Romans. That when God gets angry, he doesn't act in vengeance and in wrath. He doesn't say, you're off the path I have for your life, and now I'm going to get you. Some of us see God that way, but that's not what God does. God, in his anger, actually acts in love and in mercy. It's this beautiful truth about God. God says, I know that you're not on the path I have for your life I know that you veered away from what I want for you. I know that you maybe are not even aware of what I had planned and intended for your life. And God's upset with that. He doesn't want that to be the case. And yet in that moment, even while we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, God sent his son to die for us. God doesn't act to get us, to condemn us, to tear us down, to destroy us. No, God looks at us as sinful people on the wrong path, and he says, I love you. And more than anything else, I just want to redeem you. I want to buy you back. 
I want to pick you up off of the path you're on and put you on the right path that I have for your life. I want to save you. I want to forgive you. I want to heal you. I want to restore you. I want to make you everything that I intend for you to be in the way that I originally created you. That's what God does for each and every one of us. And Paul gets to Romans 12 and he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, some translations say therefore, which means in light of everything that I've just said, this is what I want you to remember. Look back and see God's mercy. In other words, see what God has done for you. See what God has done for you. I don't know each person in this room today, but I know a lot of you. I know your stories. At least many of you. And as I have heard your stories, what I know is that for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, there was a time in your life where you were on the wrong path. I've not, I've not met one of you who said, you know what, that was never a problem for me. I was always on the right path. All of you have as part of your story just this reality that I went down the wrong path. I did, I, I did things. I, I walked a, a, a pattern of living. I, I was living a lifestyle that wasn't what God wanted for me. That's a common thing for all of our stories. Some of us did that just for a little while in our lives, and some of us did it for a long, long time in our lives, but all of us were on the wrong path. And for everybody in this room who's a follower of Jesus Christ, what I know is that there was a moment in your life where you asked God to do for you what you could not do for yourself. And in that moment, God in his mercy saved you. He picked you up out of a life of sin, off of the wrong path. He forgave you, he changed you, and he put you on a new path for your life. And for those of you who today are living in a right relationship with Jesus Christ, the only reason that that is true in your life is because of the grace and mercy of our God. God did something for you that you could not do for yourself. And today, before we celebrate communion, I want to just remind you to see what God has done for you. To literally take a moment and think back about who you were before you met Jesus. And to think about what Jesus has done for you and who you are now because of who Jesus is in your life. So I'm inviting the band to prepare to lead us in a song. And what I want to invite you to do, if you're at home joining online and you've got your communion elements or you're here in this room, you should have gotten a cup that looks like this when you came in. And if you didn't get one of these, you can just raise your hand and we're going to get you one right now. Because uh, we want everybody to have one of these cups. So there's some. just lift up your hand. Keep them up until you get one so that we can make sure you have them. And here's, here's what I want us to do, whether we're here in the room or whether you're joining us online this morning. I want you just to hold these elements in your hands. And, and these, these elements, they're just ordinary elements, right? It's just a, a little wafer and a cup of juice or whatever you might have gathered at home for these moments. But 
But as we've got these in our hands, what these normal, ordinary, everyday elements represent are the fact that Jesus Christ did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. He gave his life, allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be born again, so that you could have a brand new life and a brand new start. That's what Jesus did for you. And as you hold these elements in your hands before we celebrate communion this morning, I want you just to take some time. We're gonna give you just a minute or two here just to, just to quietly where you're at, just to pray and just reflect on what God did for you. Think about what your life was like before Christ. Think about what your life was like when you met Jesus and think about who you are now in light of what Jesus has done in your life. And what I want you to do during this next moment or two as we pray, just right where you sit, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been transformed by his grace, I just want you this morning to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. We are preparing our hearts to celebrate communion. Another word for this is the word Eucharist. And that word literally means thanksgiving. That we come to the table of the Lord to give thanks for what the Lord has done for us. So take a couple of moments now to just silently where you're at, pray and thank the Lord for his grace and mercy in your lives. Let's pray and give him thanks today. This is a little bit of a different day because we're getting ready to walk into the waters of baptism with several people in our congregation. And so I want to take just another moment to point you back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to read it for you again. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. We look back in our lives and we see what God has done. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we look back and we see God saved us. He forgave us of our sins. He changed our lives. He's made us into different people. But Paul's not just saying, hey, look back and see what God has done for you. Paul is saying, when you look back and see what God has done for you, there's something now that you ought to give back to God in return. You don't give it back to God to earn his favor or his grace. He's already given that. He's already bestowed that on you. You have it. You've received it. But now that you've received it, in view of God's mercy, because of all that God has done for you, there's something that God would like you to give back to him. And what he wants you to give back to him is your very life. That's really the point of Romans 12, 1, that we would see what God has done for us and then we would surrender our lives to him. That's really the call of this passage, surrender your life to God, right? So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to offer your bodies to him. Why? Because of all that he has done for you. You look back and you see God's mercy in your life and then you look at this, this life that God has given you and you realize God actually wants this life. He doesn't just want my gifts and my abilities. He doesn't just want my physical and financial resources. He doesn't just want my citizenship like we talked about last week with our guest speaker. 
He wants all of those things and we should offer them to God. But really at the bottom line of it, underneath all of it, it's just this basic call to take all of who you are, your body, everything that you are and everything that you do and just give it back to God. To become, as the passage says, a living sacrifice. Not a sacrifice who dies on the altar, but a sacrifice that lives each and every day fully sold out and committed to God. This is what God's will is for your life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writing to another group of Christians in another city, the city of Corinth, he says to them that this is the reason that Jesus gave all of who he is to you and for you because he wants you to stop living for yourself and start living for the one who died and was raised for you. This is what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to give your entire life back to God, to live your life, not as your own, but to live it as his life being lived through you. This is the call of the Christian faith. And this is why when people come into the faith, they, they get baptized, right? Because baptism is itself this signifying moment of something that occurs in our lives, I mean, we get baptized for lots of reasons, right? Jesus himself was baptized, and we're following Jesus, and so it's good to do what Jesus did, right? And so that's a reason we get baptized. We get baptized because Jesus commanded us to, right? He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. We, we get baptized because Jesus was baptized. We get baptized because Jesus commands it, but we also get baptized because it is this wonderful moment in front of the body of Christ, assembled in a service like this, where people literally die to themselves, and they're raised to new life in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 6 when he says, when you were baptized, you were buried with Christ. Literally, we will put people under the water and they will be buried with Christ in their baptism and then they will be raised up out of that water signifying just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we are being raised to a new life. Not a new life that we live for ourselves, but a new life that we live fully for Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of baptism. This is why baptism has, for over 2,000 years now, served as the initiation rite into the body of Christ. Not just practiced by one little group, but the church, the church universal. For thousands of years now, people have gone into the waters of baptism to be buried with Christ and raised to new life. To publicly say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2, verse 20. This is what baptism is all about. And today, we're going to get to baptize some people who are being buried with Christ and then being raised again to new life. Every person that you're going to see this morning 
are people who have, who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. They've decided to follow Jesus. And today is this public profession. Now, we have some people who are actually going to go up there in that little hallway. There's like a baptistry up there. Some of you are like, where are we doing this at? If you've not been here before, right up there. There's water up there, I promise. And some people are going to get in that water and we're going to baptize them. But there are a few people among us today who were baptized earlier in their life. Maybe they were baptized as an infant or a child or, or maybe kind of a previous season of life, they were baptized. And, and life maybe took them in a lot of different directions, but, but then now in this moment, in this season of their life, they recognize that they are completely sold out to Jesus and they want to just publicly claim that previous baptism and say, you know what, I am selling out again to Jesus Christ. And so we're going to reaffirm some people's baptism today. But here's what I want you to know. Whether it's people standing on this stage reaffirming their baptism or getting in the waters in the baptistry, we are going to celebrate with them. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. This is a, a milestone moment in a person's life of faith. I was just thinking about it this morning when I was 13 years of age. I got into the waters of baptism, and my pastor, Pastor Tom Bunning, baptized me. And right after I was baptized, I got to help my pastor baptize my grandfather. Today, as we're baptizing these individuals and reaffirming baptisms that have occurred earlier in certain people's lives, it is an opportunity for all of us who are part of the body of Christ to remember our baptism. Because there was a moment when we were buried with Christ and we were raised to new life. And here's what I believe when we celebrate this sacrament of baptism today. I believe that God can pour out grace on all of us so that we love him more and we serve him more faithfully and more diligently with all that we are. And that is my hope and prayer for these next few moments. Now, I'm going to invite these uh, candidates up just in a moment, but before I do that, I want to just give you a little instruction, okay? So when I say celebrate, I don't mean like golf clap, okay? When people get up there and they share their testimony, they stand on this stage and they share their testimony and we baptize them or we pray for them to rededicate them to this life of faith, when, when we say amen and they come up out of that water or we finish that prayer of rededication, I want you to celebrate. Some of you can celebrate the Colts. I mean, that's like amazing in and of itself. But, but if you can celebrate the Colts, you ought to be able to celebrate Jesus. Right? I know that there are people who go to sporting events and they act crazy. I sit near Brian Rickey at the football, Iowa football games, and he is a maniac <laughs> when they score. Now, people go to sporting events, and they let it all hang out, but then we come to church, and we feel all reserved and quiet, and, and I just don't want that today. This is a celebration day, amen? Yeah. And we're going to celebrate. So with that said, now that I've given them instructions so they know how to treat you guys, I want to invite you all to come. We've got some questions we want to ask you. So 